Zero pressure. <laughs> yeah. Um, invite. Oh my god. Sometimes it's been it's been a strange week, uh, just because I interview I interviewed these rappers I really like a lot, but now they're Wait, like which ones? Oh, Jewel Set, like Astral, okay. and uh, it's like. Deep SoundCloud cuts. Yeah, like Hell yeah. <laughs> really sort of like deep demonic SoundCloud stuff that I I think is really brilliant. Um, I'm really into it. It's just, you know, it's always um, it's always a little bit strange because you're dealing with some some fairly uh, temperamental characters. <laughs> it's um, fucking artists, man. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's, I just don't want to fall into that pitfall of doing the whole kind of like punditry circuit when it comes to, um, podcasting. I'd rather talk to people who have never really done it before, but sometimes, so this Accursed Share project, you know, mm-hmm. very, very interesting. I also love Covidian aesthetics and, uh, Charlie, I'm glad you do. I, oh yeah, it's a, it's one of, definitely one of my favorite, um, reading uh reading blogs uh to going today i mean it's the entire project is fascinating especially the whole angle on the covidian era and covid and how it sort of is fading in and out and charlie is a filmmaker and together they are uh, two-thirds of the accursed share project which is what we will be discussing so so how are you guys Monica? Well, uh, we're doing we're doing great. I mean, we're we've been working full time on a cursed share uh, to the maybe to the detriment of some other projects. And I'm super hyped and excited about it. Um, how about you, Charlie? I'm really tired. I took the red eye back. We just did a <laughs> shoot. Yeah, we just did a shoot in Los Angeles for a cursed share. Um, oh, and it was yeah, yeah it was uh, our first time working with like this kind of technology, too. Um, we uh, we were working with like a, a VFX house protogen, protagon, um, who does like 
they're working on Avatar 2 now. And like, oh, wow. Somehow we convinced them we needed this for our NFT. So um, it was like, I, I don't know how much like the technical details I go into it, but um, it was a trip for sure. But, but yeah. yeah, the production values of what we're building here are uh, unparalleled within the NFT space. And I think that alone is an innovation. And of course, the concept as a whole, which is we're trying to build something new in the space is, uh, is, is very sweet generous. And I'm very, I'm very happy about it. Um, so basically, how did this happen? It, it happened through film. You know, Charlie and I were working on, I, um, I think you've seen All, All Tomorrow's Parties yeah. 3, the, the GameStop movie. <laughs> and those, while those we were, were working great. in that, yeah, 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 yeah. And actually, you should prepare for number four any minute now. It's about to drop. Uh, <laughs> but um, as we were working on that and looking at GameStop and looking at Wall Street bets, we realized that the NFT thing was on the verge of exploding. And it was this was in January. So it was a little bit before uh, the Big Beeple sale, which happened on my birthday uh, this year. So that was March. And uh, how could I forget the date? It's, there's always something happening in March. Last year, it was the declaration of the pandemic. So, you know, I, it's always I use it as this uh, benchmark for uh, for for momentous um for momentous input and so between january and february we had been you know trying to look at this nft thing exploring the ideas um charlie went in and did some digging on the space and by february we had gone far enough to conclude that the worst thing that you could uh you know um code into an nft was was a curse uh, if if someone cursed you with an NFT, you were, you were stuck with it. And, and um, at about, you know, by that time, we had already started talking with John. Um, later in March, I would travel to Costa Rica, where I met John. And we, you know, formally founded and established the Cursed Share as a project at large. And, um, yeah. And we kept on playing with the idea of the curse. And at around this time, um, my husband Alonso and, 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 and I, and you know, he is my co-writer, he's my partner in crime in every way. We had been developing a taxonomy of curses for, um, I don't know if you know Nick Greer's journal Territory. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah I, I do. They're releasing their last and 13th issue in any time now, I think. And uh, it's about curses. And we said, okay, let, 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 let's explore this in depth. And um, Alonzo is a mythologist. Um, I am what I am. And we began to like dig into the history of curses. Say, what sort of curses are they? How does a curse operate? How do they function? What do they do? What makes a curse a curse? And that slowly started to trickle in with the NFT work as well. And they converged. And they converged to the point that we realized that we had to launch a project with a curse and that meant finding a real one and we did <laughs> I'm... and charlie was incredibly instrumental to you know detecting and, and and bringing it in he knows the cursed person and this is truly a cursed person and... it's a weird it's a weird one <laughs> i don't know how to explain it i could try um so so okay. a, cur a cursed person uh this is this is all very interesting because um, I interviewed uh, the rappers of formerly in, in, in Jewel Set, and they see each one of their um, tracks as, as curses, you know, and they, they see the, they see their entire like the gestalt of everything they do yeah, through, yeah. through through the realm of of magic, and that's kind of actually how I sort of 
conceive of this project in some way is that everything is essentially a curse. It's a, it's just, it's just all a gestalt. I mean, isn't that, yeah. isn't that sort of like the essence of alchemy, which, which is essentially a science in and of itself. And I think, um, I think the more people start to embrace this kind of like post or, or non, uh, materialism and taking the material and kind of, you know, messing with it. And you say this, you, you know, a cursed person. So who is, I'm interested in this, yeah, in yeah, this yeah, cursed yeah. person. Yeah. So. so it's a girl. Um, I don't know if she's a cursed person or if her face itself is cursed, but yeah, it's, it's this the girl. Image. I mean, what we basically found was the archetypal cursed image, people on the internet. And I've been asking about cursed images for months. Like, what is a cursed image? What makes a cursed image? This cursed? is this is the cursed this image. It. So it's this, this girl, it. Crystal, right? And <laughs> she was a, a girl that I knew through like the fashion industry in New York. And she was backstage and she thought that her photo was taking, being taken for like a blog post. And somehow this image that was captured of her face was sold by the photographer to like some group and then resold and then resold. And then eventually became uh, an image to sell a face scrub. And because of the way it was tagged slowly, for some reason, like the Google algorithm or like the image search algorithm <laughs> placed her image as the number one search result for face. And so like, she's probably like one of the most seen faces in the world, but her name's not attached to it. But it's just for the last like near half decade, been the top result. Like it might like that? dip like, like one or two like spots, but it always comes back to the top. And so like, she didn't realize this had even happened until one of her friends who was like, an, like a high school art teacher was like, <laughs> hey, we were, you know, like we typed face into Google to get some references to like, for these, you know, like 14 year olds to draw faces. And do you know that your face is the face? And, you know, she wrote to the photographer immediately. And she was like, can we get this taken down? And he was like, it's out of my control. I have no like ability to like do anything. And then he died. So it becomes like this Kafka kind of thing where she has no recourse. Like she cannot get her face removed from Google. It just kind of lives there. It's like the face of faces. And we were like, okay, so like that's a, fucking cursed image you know what I mean yeah, like that is I it is I am um, I I can I can somewhat relate to that because early in the kind of like punk blogosphere days um, there was uh, footage of me in high school dancing and like uh, I was at I was basically doing this sort of like dance to that uh the DC song, uh, double Dutch bus. And I would, <laughs> and I would, uh, go up to my friends and I would like grind on my male friends really yeah, hard. Yeah. As and, one does. And, yeah, yeah. 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 And so it never really escaped and it was kind of like this thing, but my name isn't attached to it. But yeah. Somehow my dad found it and was like, that's <laughs> you. Um, <laughs> how can we get this taken down? And I was like, why would you want to take him down? Like, so that oh you don't feel cursed then do you <laughs> i i mean with it. i do feel cursed i okay. I, I, I i often joke that the that the way in which we all uh <laughs> we all experience curses are uh is is through things like staring at the top of an arby's hat for for seven seconds <laughs> like <laughs> i don't know if that makes any sense it does, I, but I e even does. though even though it it's not a even though it's not a technical image, so what you're doing is, yeah. 
something I'm interested in is obviously what what you were explaining. I wouldn't say it's obvious, but you're you're speaking of, about the kind of like cursed nature of of the of the technical image. And yeah, and, and it becomes yeah. stranger like when it gets algorithmic, you know, like because it just it comes abstracted in all sorts of new ways where she doesn't even it becomes so diffuse like who is pushing this up that she doesn't even know who to contact you know like you can't yeah. call google there's no you know accountability I mean? there's, there's no like it's just accountability. it's lost in the sauce you know what i mean yeah. like yeah and no amount of goodwill until very recently until we devised an an, an exit through a smart contract was going to relieve her from this problem oh wow so exactly and that's the beauty of it in addition to it being you know a beautiful nft that is the whole beauty of the operation it's how to how do we lift this curse how do we relieve her of this curse and how do we re-empower her to take her face back as property and as authorship how do you save face that's you know it's so strange because (laughs) i've been I've been thinking a lot about this because I've been revisiting some of Ernst Jünger on mobilization Mm. and, and I am sort of of the, the mind that, that is kind of refutes the sort of Heideggerian romantic notion of craft and one's ability to save, to, to save face. And I'm more actually of the opinion that, um, after world war one, uh, there was no ability to to fully extricate yourself and and lift these curses. And, you know, later in the 70s, you know, when he wrote Umsweil, he talked about like the anarch was the closest thing you would get to sort of uh, extricating yourself from the the technical process or the the mobilization of these processes because all the metaphysical questions that we had regarding you know, uh, honor and masculinity at war and, and these sort of romantic ethical questions of enlightenment sort of all went out the window when, you know, Britain showed up with machine guns and the German army had bayonets and horses and were completely leveled. So it's kind of funny. And this is, this is kind of what finance punk is about and this is why i think land's work on cryptography is really interesting because it works itself it's the mobilization without the agents and i don't know if that makes any sense to you but this is just sort of like what's been uh sort of like ruminating in my mind so you're actually attempting to lift this curse yes yeah, it's That's gonna amazing. be like an act of like transubstantiation. Like we want to see if we could turn it into a blessing and give her like a new relationship to like authorship. Because like it just feels very strange when it's her face itself, you know? Like that's what she's kind of lost through this process. Or so, w- what about like viral sex videos? You know, like revenge porn. That I, I feel like there's a similar there's something similar like that as well. Like, isn't that in some ways, would you say that the Ray J sex video might be Kim Kardashian's curse? Well, I mean, it gets also different, like the like with like revenge sex videos, because of like the you know like post Steve fakes. I feel like it's different. Like with the NFT, she can like you know kind of sign this face herself. You know, like she can sign this document. This is her face, and in a way, it hasn't been her face for the past six years or so. So you know, there's a very 
schizophrenic relation there. It is her face, but it's also not. And this is a curse of, you know, maximum exposure and at the same time, immense invisibility. So it's it's bizarre and it's got all of these algorithmic uh, textures that you know they're, they're they're pretty new this fits into the category that um that in doing that taxonomy we called curses of impersonal misfortune and basically mm. they happen to you you do nothing to provoke them you're not sinning against blood or you know against the gods they come at you they hit you you just run into them and this is what happens and i think we're in the position to rectify one of them and i find that fascinating i do too it's That's, a magical operation, truly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it it seems to be that way. I'm. That is, to me, that's really sort of interesting because the way I the way I view NFTs is, um, is it's just you know I guess you could say I have a fairly cynical view of NFTs. Not not because of some idea that they're just sort of, you know, making the technologists rich and, you know, screwing over the artists. I think artists, you know, obviously can do very well, even though it's, I'm, a, I'm sort of of the opinion that they're kind of like reifying their post-internet careers and, you know, sure. doing this, you know, so it, it kind of reanimates this kind of past glory. So it's a, a new way to sort of like, you know, there was a, there was a lull, in a in a career arc and then you kind of like bring itself back up but what you're actually trying to do i think is something really that i had not conceived of in terms of what uh what one can do with this technology and and i guess it's uh, i mean this sort of magical quality to it i think is is pretty interesting it is it is. Like right now it feels like everything's just kind of like trading cards or beanie babies. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I'm always like excited when like someone I guess who was like a child who became a meme on accident gets paid for it finally, but everyone else just kind of recycling like 2010s, you know, internet stuff. And I, I feel but like at the I've, same time, you know, it, it is such early days. And I yeah, think people who say, oh, yeah, no, you know, it's May and the market is cooling. Well, it's May and it was March <laughs> when this exploded. The timeline is so compact where we're starting to look at this. So, you know, it's kind of letting the letting the medium of the smart contract develop and letting it breathe. And then saying, you know, what can we, what can we do with this? Yeah, and, you know, entities new... are not limited to art. They're, 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 they're a larger technology that, mm -hmm. you know, it, in a way, art has become the largest, uh, the best way in which to onboard people onto this technology. And I also find that super compelling. It's powerful. It's beautiful. Yeah. This I is bringing people to crypto that might otherwise not have done it or taken years longer to do it. I don't know if you've, if you've heard any of Conrad Becker's, um, mm -mm. He has a very, I think he actually has a pretty interesting orientation on the sort of like, uh, on sort of magical ontology. He's kind of similar with to, you know, Eric Davis in a way, but he, uh -huh. he was sort of like a minimal synth uh, producer. He did the monotone albums, which I think are, are really, really great and super, super interesting. But to me, it sounds like, because you can't, extricate you know magic and spells from their kind of like material uh from this from the material properties in which they interact with you know it's like any kind of ethnogenic so would you say that this is kind of like what is the kind of like sacramental 
element to this process? Like, would is there going to be some sort of like thing in real life, um, or is it just the the sort of the the sheer spectacle of it being this thing that people have not necessarily oriented towards before? Um, I'm just kind of like. I'm really interested in, could you explain smart contracts a little bit more? Charlie, could you help me with that one? As yeah, I mean, I guess smart contract is just, you know, like these things are programmable. So it's like mm-hmm. programmable art, I guess, is what we're kind of like playing with right now. Like, do you, are you looking for like, just kind of like an explanation of like smart contracts for someone that might not be familiar? But at the same yeah. time, yeah. Uh-huh. Programmable art is something that, you know, is being done, is being developed very successfully within, you know, uh, crypto art. So we're trying to give it a little bit more more air, more capaciousness. And, uh, and that's why we're trying to, you know, elevate this to the level of conceptual art where something that we're doing online actually has, you know, a real world impact in transforming someone's life or transforming someone's relationship to say something as intimate and as you know as as proximal as her face and so we're trying to push the medium to just accept it as the medium that it is and 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 take it from there and smart contracts are going to be the medium it's you know it's not nfts it is smart contracts and that's what we're exploring at this point this is this is our ocean and that's what we're trying to learn learn to navigate and this is our first our first foray this is our nina in in the ocean of of, of smart contracts yeah so yeah and i guess oh, oh sorry i just say like you know like smart contracts just like broadly like on the blockchain like you can basically run like this kind of like globalized computer like on the ethereum blockchain mm-hmm. right and so you can program it and you can build you know like contractual obligations where the code becomes the contract itself in a way and so how that translates to smart contracts and then to art is that you can program different conditions into it and you can build like very complex things. It could be a Rube Goldberg machine if you want it to be, you know, like it could take mm-hmm. different inputs into it, but at the same time, it could be as simple as, you know, like if then statements, you know, like it could be, you know, like this art is on sale forever. If a higher bid is placed, it transfers ownership to this person. So it allows you to build basically like contracts onto the blockchain is what I guess a smart contract that's how I would explain it. Like, okay. Simply. Yeah. Because so, in other words, magic. <laughs> sure, yeah. Well, I, I definitely see it as kind of like a, a, a magical process because how else can you explain to me? I think, I, you know, like I was talking to my father and he's was basically like, I was like, dad, I lost a lot of money, uh, buying stupid meme coins and, and doing Wait, all which, this. Which ones were you into? Oh, it's too embarrassing to even mention. I mean... Monica, I don't know if... Yeah, I don't know if you've been following, but it's been really interesting. Like, I feel like the meme culture in the crypto shitcoin space has been, like, very immature, but very funny, too. So, like, the... the it's very interesting. The, the tokens it's that have been hard. rocking right now are, like, yeah. literally yeah. called, like, boob. Yeah. Come rocket. <laughs> like... <laughs> Poo coin, like that's kind of like the mimetic, ass, like Australian, ass co- Australian yeah. shepherd, safe it. shepherd. Think, it's been pretty funny. This means it's you know at what phase in the development of you know of, of very the mind early. Very of this early. hive mind, uh, the development of the DAOs. Are we? Are we talking about boob ass poop? This is this is a signal. 
I mean, take it for what it is. And then you realize, you know, it helps you locate a, a development phase in the entire process. Yeah. And it's brilliant. And if you see it under that lens, you're like, well, this is, you're at the start, at the, at the inception of a form of intelligence. Oh, completely. And I think it, it's, whether or not all of this goes to, to less than one penny, let's say it all becomes worth less than one cent. It is still a historical process of, of, of completely um, uncharted. I wouldn't say it's uncharted because I actually, uh, I see uh, ledgers and cryptography as similar to, you know, the way that natives used to build their civilizations with, you know, embedded uh, time release time uh, extinction models of things like let's uh, in order to stave off corruption we need to build our labyrinth underneath a rock that will be hit by lightning at this angle so that mm -hmm. it has a certain there's a certain limit so that we don't destroy ourselves so there is this kind of deter there's this kind of self-deterministic thing that people have to recognize with that this really is a and this is what all of the neo-rationalists, I think, get really wrong. And I think people who are Hegelians in general, they've, they refuse to account for the fact that not all intelligence is, is achieved through dialectics. Mm. And that yeah. should be, I'd say that should be a given at this point. That should be something that people can recognize which is why I'm so interested in uh, portraying the idiot or like uh, being retarded or like finance punk and all of these sort of neolo neologisms to basically mm -hmm. just explain that maybe rescinding our, our notion of subjectivity isn't necessarily that wrong and maybe this is what we've all become you know for at least a hundred like i said since world war one at least a hundred years at least when Junger located it and when um so i don't know if that makes any sense no 100 <laughs> percent. like and just like researching like smart contracts i started like really like looking at you know high frequency trading, right? Like how do they negotiate these contracts between like, you know, like securities exchanges? Like if you're selling a stock at like fractions of a second, millions of, you know, like it turns out they're not even enforceable because they can't even read them fast enough. So they can't even know them to be true. Mm -hmm. And so like when you get these flash crashes on the market, it's because there's like phantom trades that like, it's just high, we're living this like risk society where like there's all these high frequency trades happening. It's just algorithms running at, you know, like nanoseconds and they create these like, like spirals of logic that you can't control and can't stop. Like there's all of these like kind of like abstract kind of like non-subjective intelligences working around us that we've kind of bought into that we're just stuck with now. So like, 100%. it makes absolute sense. Like if they can't even know truth, like is the idiot so different? You know what I mean? Like,